Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm here with the co-founder and CMO of Fernway, the brand that's taking over Massachusetts right now. <laughs> welcome, Liam. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me and uh, on such a beautiful day too. Yes. So please tell us about yourself and why you decided to go into the cannabis industry. I would love to. So um, I guess uh, one of the first things that's important to know about me, uh, as well as about Fernway, is that um, uh, me and my co-founders, uh, we've been good friends for quite a long time. So um, I, I've known these guys since I was, uh, in some cases, since I was in elementary school. Um, but we all really became really, really tight friends in high school. And uh, I was actually good friends with, uh, with our CEO um, and was roommates with him in college for three years. So we've, uh, we've known each other a while. We've been getting high with each other for quite some time. And um, so uh, a little background on me is that uh, before I started Fernway, um, I was living in New York City and I was working uh, as the marketing lead for a company called The Moth. Um, the Moth is a really interesting nonprofit. Um, they have been around for over 20 years and they are a, uh, a live storytelling performance and advocacy organization. So the way that they work is that they have events, uh, live storytelling events all over the country and in fact, internationally as well. Um, and what they do is they, uh, they have these events where they will, um, people will attend, uh, you know, they're open to the public and everyone puts their name in a hat in the audience. And if you get your name pulled out of the hat, then you can get up on stage and tell a personal story from your life. Right. And then, uh, so the moth, uh, the moth holds these events and then uh, they record these stories and they take the best ones and they turn them into uh, a really widely listened to podcast and radio show. Um, and that is sort of, I would say, what they're best known for uh, is their podcast and radio show. But they really do a ton of other interesting work, uh, both advocacy work, community uh, engagement work, as well as uh, corporate training, education, uh, do a lot of collaborations with community organizations. And um, it was a really fascinating company to work for uh, doing, uh, you know, sort of handling their digital social, so their digital marketing channels um, and really getting a chance to, to travel around, meet a lot of really interesting and fascinating people and performers. And uh, everything was going super well, but then uh, my good friends came to me and said, hey, we're, we're interested in starting a company. Are you interested? And I said, well, if I was ever gonna start a company, it would be with you two. So. Um, you know, the, the sort of abbreviated story there is basically um, my, my two partners, Kit and Kevin, the guys who I told you that I grew up with, um, they were, you know, they, they were living in New York, uh, working in different professional fields, and they were discussing what it would mean to strike off, strike out on your own and build something. And that was something that was really interesting to me because I hadn't ever had a chance to do that before. Um, I'd never been an entrepreneur. And so the conversation was was pretty pretty loose and vague at that point because we were still all working in our, our, our uh, specific jobs. I was working at The Moth. Uh, Kit, our CEO, was working as an attorney and Kevin was working as a management consultant. And so we were all working full-time, you know, pretty, pretty high-powered corporate jobs. Um, and we quickly realized that we all were really interested in the cannabis space, um, both personally, because again, it was something that we had been uh, sharing and consuming together for many years, um, but also because Massachusetts had, at that point, uh, this was late late 2017, early 18, Massachusetts had legalized via uh, ballot measure in late 2016, but they had not yet actually uh, set up the legal marketplace. So it was this sort of pre-opening uh, period in Massachusetts. And we said, well, 
uh, cannabis is interesting. Massachusetts is close to New York and uh, it's near Connecticut, which is where we all grew up. So let's, uh, let's see what we can figure out. Let's see what the opportunities are there. And so uh, we visited the New England Cannabis Convention uh, in Boston in March, I want to say 2018. And that was right when the adult use regulations had just been published, uh, the final regulations. So everyone was a buzz uh, at the convention. Everyone was talking about how to, uh, how, to, how to break into the marketplace, what the regulations were going to mean, uh, just a lot, of, a lot of speculation and enthusiasm. And uh, we spent the entire uh, weekend of the show just learning as much as we possibly could, talking to everyone that we could, every exhibitor, every guest, every speaker, just everyone who would, who would give us the time of day. And at the end of it, we said, you know, I think it's possible for for a for a startup that isn't uh, you know isn't like a multi gazillion dollar company that has an idea and wants to pursue it. I think there's room for that in Massachusetts, and I think that we can get a license. And that was uh, I would say the rest is history. Though there was a lot more to come after that, but that that was really the genesis of uh, of what inspired me to to enter the industry. And I I uh, I quit my job at the Moth in uh, November 2018. And I've been full-time on Fernway ever since. So uh, it has been uh, a really, really incredible ride so far. And, um, and I, 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 yeah, I, 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 could, I could keep talking about, uh, about all of this, but uh, I, I would say that probably answers your question about what, uh, what got me into the industry. Yes, that sounds awesome. So yeah. like what made you guys decide to make a brand on vape cartridges? Another great question. So I think, uh, if I have to be honest, I think the first uh, the first reason was that vapes are pretty amazing. They are, as someone who's been consuming cannabis for a while, and like most people, usually uh, consumed by smoking. The first time I ever tried a vape cartridge, it was you know my mind was blown because I was you know there was something familiar about it. You know, you inhale, you get high, but so many things that I had not expected that there was no smell that I could do it, you know, in so many other different places. I, you know, it was so discreet, so portable. And as someone who's terrible at rolling joints, you know, it was definitely a, a bit of a game changer. So um, I can't roll at all. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, but I think, so I think it was awareness that there was this, there was this new way to, uh, to get high and to enjoy cannabis. And that was something that not a lot of my friends were doing. Um, I think that vaping at that point was, really mostly something that people associated with nicotine rather than cannabis, um, especially in the Northeast. So it was something that was, was really interesting to us personally, because again, we just, we saw the advantages and we saw the unique benefits to vaping um, and, and vape cartridges and the, the form factor, I guess is the term. Um, and I think that the other, the other thing that really motivated us, uh, I would say less to focus on vapes, but more simply to just focus on something was the acknowledgement that as non-cannabis professionals, if we wanted to, uh, if we wanted to break through, if we really wanted to make an impact, we had to focus because we didn't want to be kind of good at a bunch of things. We wanted to be good at one thing. So that uh, that vision of being a very focused brand of only doing one particular product form was pretty much in place since the beginning. And the idea to focus on vapes came pretty shortly afterward. Again, just because of how exciting uh, the form factor is, but also. We studied a lot of the West Coast markets where cannabis had been legalized and available for much longer. And what we saw in all of those markets is that when the market opened, as is the case with Massachusetts, as is the case now, the most popular product that is sold is flour. Shocker. Uh, you know, people love to smoke flour, including me. Um, 
and that is the case with all markets. Flour is still the most consumed way to uh, to consume cannabis. But what you see after the market opens and as it starts to mature and develop is that vapor starts to grow in popularity. And that really showed us that uh, legalization was one of the most, one, it really was the key factor in uh, giving people an opportunity to adopt vaporizers because it gives people an opportunity to get uh, products that have been regulated, products that have been tested, and products where there's transparency from the manufacturer into how the product was made and from what it was made. And I think that that is what gives people confidence to be able to step into a dispensary and, and buy a vape cartridge, even if you know they had never vaped in their life, because they, they have the confidence that a product that's being sold in a dispensary, a uh, cannabis product that's being sold in a dispensary, is, is something that they can trust. So I think that with that understanding that there was this just really incredible product form that we saw take off in every other market. We said, well, let's 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 stick with vapes. Let's focus on vapes. Let's be a vape brand. And again, that was pretty much the vision since the beginning. And it has uh, it has not really it has not really changed. You know, back in uh, back in early 2018, we were telling people we're going to start a vape company, and uh, here we are. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, hold that thought. I just got to go grab my charging cord. It's literally right over here. Hold oh, on no. one sec. Uh, hold on one second. This is what happens when you are doing chores all day and you forget to charge your forget to charge your laptop. Okay, let's get back to it. All right. All right. So when you guys were like, okay, this is what we're gonna focus on. So what were your steps after that? Because I know a lot of people are really curious on what it takes to make a brand like a uh, mm -hmm. cannabis brand and like the money that's involved and all that. So anything you want to share, I'm sure my audience will appreciate it a lot. Sure. Well, I I'm happy to share a lot because I do think that you're right. A lot of people want to know about it and there's not a lot of great information out there uh, or rather there's a lot of information out there, but a lot of it is conflicting or uh, un incomplete. And I would say that, from uh, from my perspective, having gone through this process with Fernway, I I have a I have a I have a not to not to brag, but I'd say I have a, a pretty uh, a pretty detailed in a set of insights into the actual process behind launching a brand, at least in Massachusetts. Um, and I'm more than happy to share that. So uh, I think what's helpful to I think what's helpful to know about launching a brand in Massachusetts is that there are a couple different ways that you can go about doing it. Um, the first is to uh, basically have a brand that already exists, that already has packaging, logo, uh, product, you know, uh, certain, you know, like hardware, you know, the, the sort of elements of a product, everything but the actual cannabis itself. And that could be, you know, again, that could be a, 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 a could be a flower brand, it could be an edibles brand, it could be a tinctures brand, it could be a, a beverage brand. But basically, you already have all of the different elements of the brand already it's something that's maybe it's already been developed and sold in other markets or it's been developed and it hasn't yet been sold in any market but you've already got all of this sort of uh the external the external elements of it prepared and ready to go and then what you can do is you can find someone in a state like massachusetts who has a cannabis license who has the you know the the license from the state that says you are allowed to handle and process or or sell or grow cannabis because there's a couple different types of licenses that you can get um and if you're a, uh, a manufactured goods brand like Fernway, um, then 
uh, well, not like Fernway, sorry, this is a counterexample. But if you're, if you're, if you're, say, for example, a vape brand that's sold in California, you can go to a license holder in Massachusetts and say, I would like for you to license my brand. And what that means is that the person who holds the license in Massachusetts pays some sort of fee or comes to some sort of agreement with the person who owns the brand and they come to an agreement and the person who owns the license says, I will allow you to have access to my production facility to use my license when you are uh, you know, having product transported and sold and uh, you will bring all of the different brand elements to the table. And that is, uh, that's how a number of different brands have come to Massachusetts. They don't actually have a license in Massachusetts. What they have is uh, a deal with an existing licensee. And so there's an upside and a downside to that. The upside is that getting a license is really hard work and it takes a very long time. So if you don't wanna do that, then you can just find someone who has a license and you can work with them to get your brand onto the shelves and into the market. Um, but the downside, as I see it, is that you end up in uh, a situation where you don't have full control over how your brand and your product is presented and sold and distributed because ultimately you do not control the license. And there's a couple of really important things that, that count when it comes to controlling a license. Um, you know, things like, and again, this can vary company by company, but if there's someone who has, uh, who has control of the license and they decide that they, uh, they, they don't want to, you know, make as much of your product and, or sell as much of your product or, uh, you know, make your product to the quality standards that you've set out, then there's not that much that you can do as a brand that's licensing uh, your, your uh, intellectual property into the Massachusetts market. So there's the, the lack of control is I'd say uh, the number one downside. And then the number two downside is that, and this is something that we've learned, unless you have a team that is on the ground in Massachusetts or whatever market you're trying to be in, that is, that is intimately uh, involved in every step of the production process, the packaging, the shipping, the development, you know, the distribution, the sales, the marketing, then what you can end up with is a situation where you have a really successful brand in one market, like let's say California, and you bring it to another market and it just falls flat on its face because it didn't get the proper support it needed. Because every cannabis market is different. Every, you know, Massachusetts customers, they buy weed differently than California customers. And those people buy weed differently than Colorado customers. And so I think having a real on the ground presence and understanding of the folks that you're selling to uh, is really crucial. And I think that if you haven't gone through the licensing process and really spent the time in Massachusetts, talking to the people, talking to the folks who work in this industry, then it can be challenging to really set up a brand for success. So like I said, that's one way to do it. License your brand into the market, work with an existing licensee. That is not what Fernway did. What we did was we said, we are going to get a license because we feel really passionately that uh, our brand is ours and we wanna make sure that it is sold and distributed and presented exactly the way that we want because uh, that's what we think is gonna set us up for success. So we decided that we were going to get our own license. So I will, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep, I'll try to keep this next section of the story, not too long, because honestly, it was such a long wait for the license. I don't want to have to sort of uh, revisit that on your listeners, but in order to get a license in Massachusetts, you need to have a couple things. The first is that you need to have a host community agreement, which is a, uh, a contract between you and the municipality where you're going to locate your facility. Uh, if you're a retail licensee, then it would be where your store is. If you're a cultivator, it would be where your grow is. In our case, as a manufacturer, it's where our production facility is. Uh, we're located in Northampton, which um, is a wonderful town. 
and uh, has been fantastic to work with. Um, and the reason why you need to get a host community agreement is because if you do not have this contract with the town that says the town is okay with you being there, that you know, you've agreed to certain conditions and taxes and fees as a condition of being allowed to operate a cannabis business. If you don't have this document, if you don't have a agreement with the town, you cannot get a license. It is a crucial element of your application. So a lot of people, um, a lot of people have found that the host community agreement process has some problems. Um, for one, there's not a lot of oversight when it comes to things like corruption. Uh, so there's a lot of towns that charge cannabis companies exorbitant fees uh, to be able to operate in, in flagrant violation of the law, but there's just no enforcement of it. The other issue is that every town is different. So every town has their own zoning and permitting and licensing body, and every town requires different things of a cannabis licensee or applicant, I guess, at that point. So it's just really, really hard as a cannabis business that's trying to, tr to open their doors to know exactly what they're getting into when they say, find a piece of real estate and decide they're going to operate there. Um, now, one of the reasons we selected Northampton as our base of operations is precisely because Northampton makes the host community agreement process very straightforward and very tra transparent. They were the only town that we knew of that had every host community agreement on their website, easy, you know, able to be downloaded, read, and they were all exactly the same, except for the name of, you know, the different companies that held them. And we said, all right, this is a town that treats cannabis businesses just like any other business. Um, and so, like I said, it's been a joy to, uh, to be here in Northampton because they, they treat us, again, like any other business. They don't make us jump through a zillion different hoops because we, you know, we make cannabis products. And so uh, when we decided that we were going to operate in Northampton for that reason, that and also the fact that it's a really beautiful place to live, I should, I should mention that. Um, when we decided to operate in Northampton, we, uh, we got a host community agreement. And in order to do that, we had to find a building. Uh, so we had to find a building uh, that would allow us to build our production, you know, that we could look at our production facility in. And none of us had ever, you know, rented commercial real estate before. So it was definitely a, a learning curve to figure out all of the different details behind making sure that we were signing a lease that was fair to us, that we were, you know, inspecting the elements of the building that we needed to inspect before we signed that lease, uh, that we were in a position in, you know, that we were in a location in the town that would be uh, conducive to us doing a lot of uh, distribution and sending delivery vans out. All of that was, uh, that all of that happened in early, tw early 2019. Um, and so we moved pretty quickly, uh, or so we thought at that point, um, because once you get the host community agreement, you have to then submit an application to the state. And the application is very complicated and long. It requires that you write a lot of different uh, narratives. Um, and then uh, the narratives themselves basically concern, you have, to, you, have to, you have to lay out for the Cannabis Control Commission how you would do pretty much every single aspect of your business before you've ever launched your business. So you have to show that you know exactly what you're going to be doing or that you have a pretty good grasp of it as well as the regulations in your application. So our application ended up being about a hundred pages, single spaced. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, so long. I would say, yeah, it was the most all-nighters that I pulled since college, I can tell you that. Um, and uh, my partner Kit, our CEO and I wrote it and we, submitted the application and uh, got that into the state in May, 2019. And that 
began uh, what I would say was probably the longest wait of my life. Uh, we were at that point in the process of, uh, so we did a small fundraise at that point. Uh, we went to friends and family and we said, we have this idea, you know us, you trust us. Do you want to get in on it? And we found thankfully a lot of, uh, a lot of people who were willing to trust us, who we'd known, you know, throughout our lives. Um, and uh, so we raised a, we, ra you know, we did a small fundraise and we had submitted our license application and we, we waited and we kept waiting and we kept waiting. And at that point, uh, we were in the process of starting to plan our build out. We were working on uh, sch architectural schematics and we were also in the process of developing our product, and our packaging and our brand. So there was a lot of work being done, but we just weren't getting any uh, indication of when we would get a license from the state. So in uh, in December of 2019, we got finally a response from the state and they said, we need a little bit more information. And we said, great, cool, awesome. So we, we, we leapt into action and we gave them whatever information they needed. We got it back to them within, I think, 48 hours and then radio silence. And so flash forward, uh, flash forward a couple months and we get another message from the, the state and they say, your application has been deemed complete. And that was a big deal because when your application gets deemed complete, that means that they have to give you a license or deny you a license within 90 days. And you're like, it's coming up. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were also pretty confident we would get the license because almost no one at that point had gotten turned down for a license when they got to that point of consideration. So we were like, all right, let's go. We got 90 days or less. And uh, in May of 2020, we received our provisional license, which was the next step in the approvals process. And the, uh, the provisional license uh, allows you to start doing renovations on your facility. So we started our construction, um, which was really, yeah, it was, it was not new construction. We were renovating an existing building. We built out our production space, our vault, our security room, our uh, warehouse space. And in November of 2019, we had our post-provisional license inspection, the PPLI, as it's called. And we were all super excited. This was a year ago. We were all super excited because we'd gotten our inspection done and uh, in mid-November. And we were like, all right, this means that we might be able to get our final license in December. And the reason why we had to wait until December is because these licenses are given out when the commission meets and they only meet once a month. So we, we really needed that inspection, that PPLI to be done by the time the meeting was going to be happening. So it happened, we were super excited. We were like, all right, we're gonna be on this December meeting. It's gonna be, we're gonna get our final license. We're gonna cruise forward. We hired our first four employees. We were all ready to go. And then they canceled the December licensing meeting. No. And, and you know, at that point we were like, well, we've waited this long, what's, what's another month? So in January, we got our final license. In February, we first made, we made our first sale. Um, Shout out to Resonate in Northampton. They were the first store that ever sold a Fernway product. Um, and the rest is, uh, it's, been a, it's been a whirlwind ever since. Um, so I, again, tried to keep it slightly abbreviated, but that was the, uh, that was the basic process. Um, you have to get a host community agreement. You have to submit a license application. You have to secure real estate. And all of that has to be done before you make a single sale. So it's a lot of upfront investment. It's a lot of risk and it takes a long, long time. 
uh, but it was worth the wait. Oh yeah, I've heard how long the waits have been. Like that would kill me. I'm just waiting there. Oh my gosh, not knowing what's gonna happen. Yep. Sorry, I had to go close my door so that my cat doesn't get in and bother me. <laughs> okay. So, what was the um, idea behind the name and the logo? So then I'll, I'll start with the name. Um, we, uh, this was, this was uh, a couple years ago. This was in, again, uh, in late 2018. Um, and this was early, early days. We had not yet quit our jobs, uh, or at least not, uh, I think, I think Kit had, had quit his job at that point, but the rest of us were still, still working our day jobs, uh, working on the side and trying to you know, do all the things we needed to, to move the real estate search forward, so on and so forth, but we didn't have a name. And so when we would tell our friends and our family about this project we were working on, we just didn't have something to, to name it. And that was really frustrating and a little confusing. So we finally said, all right, we got to come up with a name. We're, we're in the process of, you know, starting to scout out real estate. We got to come up with a name for this company. So we, I, I will tell you, we went through so many names that we rejected. Uh, and I look back on it now and I'm so glad we did because some of them are just pure cringe and I won't even, I won't even tell you what they were, but uh, we went through a lot of different names and I think we had a couple different criteria that we wanted. We wanted it to be short. We wanted it to be memorable and we wanted it to be unique because uh, I, I was spending a lot of time studying the other players in the cannabis marketplace. And what I saw was that there was just a lot of sameness in the names, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, repeated words that had to do with health and wellness in Massachusetts, a lot of, a lot of roots, a lot of green, a lot of leaf, a lot of patriot, you know, and all of these, all of these words, which like, there's nothing wrong with them, but again, we wanted it to be memorable. So we were like, all right, we can't sort of, we can't, we can't go down that road. We have to come up with something else. And it was, it, I, I mean, I can tell you it is tough to try to come up with something unique because everything you come up with, you immediately think of why it's not unique. So we went back and forth and back and forth for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, we were so frustrated that we just kind of went back to the drawing board and we found a list of untranslatable foreign words. And it's like words in other languages that don't have a direct translation into English, right? So, uh, <laughs> We went down the list and there were a couple interesting things on there, but one word really stuck out, which was a German word. Uh, it's spelled F-E-R-N-W-E-H. And it means, it's pronounced Fernweh, and it means uh, the longing for faraway places or uh, the opposite of homesickness. Right? That was the reaction we had. It was like, ooh, yeah, that's, ooh. Kind of, that, that's kind of dope. All right. Yeah. Um, and... So we, we thought about it and we're like, yeah, this is good. This could work. But then we all instantly realized that we could not spell it that way because no one would know how to pronounce it. So we spelled it F-E-R-N-W-A-Y, be a little easier to spell, a little easier to say, and it stuck. And we were all super proud about that. And we liked how there was the word fern in there. So there's this, you know, uh, it, it evokes like botanical imagery and lush, lushness. And uh, we started telling all of our friends and family that we called the company Fernway. And the very first thing that a ton of people said was, oh, like Fenway. And we were like, ah, uh, not, our, not our intention, but, you know, go Sox. Uh, and so all of that is to say that uh, while there are a lot of people who will draw the parallel, it was totally unintentional, but we'll take it. Yeah, I and, love um, it. It's very like thick, yeah. 
Thank you. So, and then to, to, to talk briefly about the logo. So uh, the logo came out again, similar process. We, we tried a lot of things and we rejected a lot of things. Again, it was, it was based on trying to find something that would be simple and that would be memorable and that would be uh, easy to make out whether it was tiny or big. And the, uh, the final design came out of a collaboration that we did with a two-person creative shop out of Los Angeles who we worked with on sort of initial brand, uh, brand elements um, and who were super helpful on that front. And uh, it ended up with uh, going through a, a lot of different iterations, but the final iteration is one where we have uh, a fern and it's stretching up toward, uh, stretch, stretching up to the, to the sky. You can sort of see it stretching into the distance. And then there's a sun located in the corner of the logo, which is pretty subtle, but uh, it's again, just a, it's a combination of wanting to evoke that lushness, that natural imagery, while at the same time having that nice rigid square to remind people that this is uh, something that is made and it's and something that we designed and created. And wanting to really bring uh, the sort of the modern and the natural together. And thankfully, because uh, we do have, in fact, uh, it in a pretty small format on the base of all of our cartridges, it does look distinctive when tiny as well as large. Ah, nice. So, right. uh, so we, accomp we accomplished that goal. And, um, and I what I really like about it is that, he, you know, whenever I see it on, whenever I see it on anything, whether it's like a hat or a cartridge or a box or on a hoodie, I know that it's ours. I know that that's not anybody else's logo. It's quite distinctive without being flashy. And it also doesn't, and, and the other thing I like about it is that it doesn't look like, uh, it doesn't look like an app, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So what was the process to get your products to other dispensaries? Cause I know you guys are like expanding like crazy. <laughs> sure. Well, uh, what I will tell you is that uh, the first thing that is worth mentioning is that the cannabis community a lot of people like to talk about how people in the cannabis community are really warm and neighborly, and it's true. And I really, uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, it's it's something that was really important, and uh, honestly, like ha has been incredibly valuable to us as as folks who weren't living in Massachusetts at the time. And you know, we we all moved up to Northampton, and we live there, and that's where you know that's where our company is. That's where we've been living now for the last two years. Um, so we are Massachusetts residents. It's a locally owned and operated company, uh, but we weren't coming from Massachusetts. None of us grew up there. So for us, it was uh, it was really important that we made connections with and formed relationships with as many people as we could who were already in the community so that not only would they know who we were, that they would know that we were genuine and honest and that we were committed to uh, providing the best possible product, but also so that we would be able to learn from them because there were a lot of people who had made it through the licensing process, who had a lot to share and who had uh, a lot of experience that we knew was gonna be beneficial to us as we set, that, set off down this path. So what we did uh, was as soon as we had an idea of what our product and our business were gonna be, and we had a, you know, a name and at that point, not our final logo, but at least something that we could put on an email signature, we just started sending out, and this was again in like early 2019, we started, sending out emails to everyone that we could get in touch with who was involved in the industry in Massachusetts. We emailed growers, we emailed retailers, we emailed manufacturers, we, everyone that we could possibly find. I, you know, I spent my time reading local news articles to see who was having community outreach meetings to see, you know, who is it that would be in the same, uh, you know, would be in the same boat as us with trying to get a license and, uh, 
I, I, I just, I would reach out to them on LinkedIn or I would uh, find their websites and just introduce ourselves to as many people as we could. And that helped us both create a network that was uh, really vibrant and wide and beneficial, but I think it also helped us introduce ourselves to the industry and to the community in a way that did not come across as anything other than genuine. You know, we're just, we're four guys, we're here trying to make a really great product. And at some point when the state says it's okay and we finish our, we finished all of this incredible work to get the facility built out and get everything set up, we will have product to sell. So we had a lot of conversations with retailers that took place over the course of a year and a half or two years where it was just trying to let them know that we were here, we were moving forward. And then at some point we would be able to do business together. But that, uh, and, and I think that the, the only reason why those conversations paid off is because we did indeed do what we said we were going to do. We got the license, we made the product, we got it to market, but there were a lot of people out there who were basically hearing, you know, these, you know, these four guys with a pocket full of dreams are, are going to eventually have product to sell me. I, I hope that they get, I hope they get a chance. And uh, a lot of that, um, a lot of those relationships that we formed early on uh, really paid off because those were some of our first stores to take on Fernway products. And uh, they have been our, our longest term partners. Um, again, shout out to Resonate, but also shout out to, uh, you know, Berkshire Roots is a great partner of ours. Uh, they actually got the first delivery of Fernway products. Um, uh, Silver Therapeutics is another great uh, partner of ours that we, we, you know, we've been chatting with for, for months and months leading up to the point where we actually made our first sale to them. And I, I, I you know, I, I just, I can't express enough how uh, incredible it is to enter a business community of people who are so willing to provide counsel and provide advice and to, even when you have nothing at all to offer them beyond just uh, the desire to learn from them, uh, are, are willing to really give a helping hand when it comes to just pointing you in the right direction. And I think being able to uh, experience that really made us feel like we'd made the right choice in terms of the industry we wanted to, to, to grow our business in. I love to hear that. That makes me feel so good because, you know, I'm trying to get into this industry and in this podcast, I'm making connections this way. I'm like, all right, I'm starting early. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I, what I will, I'll tell you what, uh, what a, a wise friend of mine in this industry told me, which is that the, the number one trick is just to show up because if you keep showing up, whether it's at, uh, you know, a recurring event series or in community spaces or, uh, trade shows, people will start to recognize your face and they'll start to say, all right, this is someone who's serious. And I think that we, we, we just showed up whenever we could. We took a lot of long drives up from New York because we hadn't moved up to Massachusetts at that point. So we would drive up to Northampton and uh, sometimes we would uh, set like, for example, a bunch of meetings in like a 48 hour period. And we would just try to meet as many people as we possibly could. We would crash in an Airbnb. And then the next day we would have ton more meetings. And then we would drive down to New York. And that was, uh, that was, uh, that, you know, we spent a lot of time on the road because it was really important to us to show people our faces, to show that we were real people and not just someone on the other end of an email or a phone call. And I think that that is something that has continued to really, uh, drive the way that we do business is that we love to meet in person. And if that means that we have to drive, you know, two, three hours out of the way in order to make sure that Folks know that we are who we say we are and that we, you know, that we, what, what that we, that, that they, they can see that we are serious about what we represent and our product, uh, then we'll do it because I think that it is, it's really easy to, it's really easy to, for example, to send out a bunch of emails, um, but it's not easy to actually take the time to meet with someone here, you know, look, you know, go to their store, 
hear about their their priorities, hear about their challenges, and to be able to share the same with them. Um, and obviously, COVID certainly made that even more challenging. But uh, it's always been something that we found to be not just really important for us to feel like we're making the best impression possible, but also to uh, I'd say the industry in large. I, I think that it's a really friendly group of people, and people like to to hang out and talk shop and you know relax over a joint or two. And I think that that uh, that spirit of togetherness has been uh, has been really what allowed us to create the the foundation that we built on. And and the other thing that I think uh, the other thing that I think was really lucky about being in Northampton is that Northampton is right next to the highway and. So we always had planned on doing our own deliveries to dispensaries, um, but Massachusetts, there's dispensaries all over, and yeah. we're in all we're we're not in all of them, but we're in a lot of dispensaries all over Massachusetts. So mm-hmm. being uh, being located in a town that wasn't totally in the middle of nowhere uh, has been super helpful, and I think that it is also I I just feel really lucky that I get a chance to travel as much as I do around Massachusetts, not just in terms of being able to see the state and be able to experience uh, all of its many, many different charms and different hidden corners, but also to just meet an incredible range of people, customers, buyers, employees, uh, people who are part of ancillary businesses, and just the incredible cast of characters that exists uh, in this state. I, uh, I think that just I, I'm a people person, and I think uh, my partners as well just really, really, really appreciate the opportunity to go out there and engage with people. So I think um, it's something that has been, it's a natural affinity of mine and one that I found is really, really beneficial when it comes to, uh, when it comes to being a part of this industry. You know, it, it helps to be friendly because it's a, it's a small industry and it's a lot of hard work. So uh, if, you're, if you're friendly with the folks around you, it really does make the difference. So... For my audience, if you haven't tried Fernway yet, they have amazing flavors. I have berry haze here. And Our top every seller. Time, every time someone hits it, they're like, oh my God, why does it taste so good? <laughs> like everyone's so shook. Like what other flavors do you guys have? So uh, we have, right now we have seven flavors and we have six strains. So we have two different product lines. I should start there. We have our flavor line and our strain collection. Our flavor line, uh, which the berry haze that you have right there is uh, is uh, is part of. Our flavor line is the first products that we ever sold. Um, they are all different flavors that we create using natural botanical terpene blends. And we actually developed those blends ourselves, believe it or not. Um, and that's why they taste so good because we, we really take our time fine tuning every single note of them. And they're also proprietary to us. So that's why no one else on the market has them um, because we, we knew that in order to create something that was truly tasty, you couldn't just buy like an off the rack terpene blend. Uh, a lot of those exist out there. Um, and so for example, if you've ever tried a flavored vape product, um, you might notice that it kind of tastes indistinguishable or it kind of tastes similar. Um, and that's the reason why is that there's a lot of botanical terpene blends out there that are just simply sold and put into cartridges and no one actually ever tries them before they hit the market. And we took a very different approach. We we went through hundreds of different blends uh, to arrive at the six that we originally uh, that we originally launched back in uh, back in February. And so the flavor line is really a labor of love. And for us, it is it was really important to, to have two things. Number one, that all the flavors should be delicious. Um, number two, that they should all be uh, very natural and nuanced and not taste like synthetic or candy like because you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be totally transparent. When I lived in New York, I consumed cartridges that I bought in the unlicensed market and they didn't taste that good. And they tasted 
not real and not natural, you know, kind of like popcorn or bubble gum. And I think that that sort of uh, that dynamic uh, or that that experience was something we really wanted to avoid because it just it's not something that makes you want to return for that next hit. So all of our uh, flavor line blends are designed to be very tasty, but also to actually taste like the thing that they are. So, for example, they, do. they really, yeah. they really taste like berries. Like. Yeah. And I, I think that 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 was also uh, that was that was important for me because, you know, I've tried a lot of strains like, you know, when I try a, a pineapple express vape and it doesn't taste like pineapple, I feel a little disappointed. So for us, we wanted to say, you know what, if you like, for example, uh, if you like, if you like mint, then our wild mint vape doesn't taste like a candy cane or like Listerine. It tastes like fresh mint from the garden. Similar, yeah, similar with our stone fruit vape. Uh, that one doesn't taste like peach rings candy. It tastes like biting into a fresh peach. And I think that, uh, that, that focus and that devotion to, uh, deliciousness, but also making sure that all of our flavors were really pure and natural, uh, has really set, uh, the flavor line apart. And, you know, it's, it's not uh, it's not for nothing, but six of the nine fast selling fastest selling vapes in Massachusetts are those six uh, flavor line products that we launched back in February. So people really love them, um, and we're so happy to have introduced our seventh flavor, our first new flavor since we launched, uh, which is this one right here, cranberry jam. Um, this one just came out, I want to say like two weeks ago, two two and a half weeks ago, and it's already. Uh, selling like crazy. I think it, I, I don't want to raise people's expectations too high, but I think it may be our best flavor yet. So for any of you listening, uh, if you're looking for a great place to start with Burnway, I can't recommend the cranberry jam cartridge enough. It is so tasty. It's so smooth. Uh, and if you're someone who likes to get a full gram cartridge uh, rather than a half gram, it's also available in full gram. So uh, just a little plug for, for cranberry jam. Um, but I mentioned we have two flavor, we, we have two product lines our flavor line and our strain collection. So the flavor line, uh, again, all uh, in-house developed botanical natural terpene blends um, from, you know, terpenes from plants and uh, from fruits and citrus and herb and herbs. Uh, but our strain collection is a little different. Our strain collection is made with fresh cannabis terpenes. And the reason why is because uh, we know that there are a lot of people out there who really prefer the taste of cannabis. I, I mean, I love the taste of cannabis. I'm a bit of an omnivore, but I love the taste of good bud. And the only way to really put that in a vape is to use not just cannabis terpenes that are pulled from the actual cannabis flower, uh, but it has to be really high quality cannabis terpenes. And this is something that I had no idea about before I started uh, down the vape pathway. Um, but there is a difference between, uh, there, there, there's, there's good quality cannabis terpenes and there's bad quality cannabis terpenes. So, uh, for example, there are a lot of cartridges in Massachusetts that are made with terpenes that are pulled off the cannabis that's used to create the oil in the cartridge. Uh, but that material for the most part is cannabis trim. It's like leaves and stems. It doesn't really have that much flavor. It kind of tastes like grass or hay with like a little bit of weed flavor to it. So when you pull the terpenes off that trim and you incorporate them into the vape oil, it just doesn't taste that good. It doesn't really taste like fresh bud. So literally we, tasted that the other day. That just yeah. <laughs> wow. Right? Now I know why. Yeah. Well, and 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 you know, look, it'll still get you high. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it's not going to be as satisfying an experience. And I think for for us, we really wanted if someone was going to, for example, be buying something that was strain specific from Fernway, we wanted to make sure that much like our flavor line, we were providing the best possible flavor. And in order to do that, we had to get the best possible ingredients. So what we did is we 
we found a source of cannabis terpenes that's actually pretty genius. Um, not genius on our part, really genius on, on, our, on our partner's part, but basically it is a network of farmers in California. And what they do is they take genetics that uh, a company like Fernway, for example, is looking for, and they breed out all the THC. And when they do that, uh, they're able to grow huge fields of this stuff in full sun in California's Central Valley, the sort of heart of uh, heart of part of cannabis production in the United States. And they're able to grow a ton of it just for terpene production. And because it doesn't have any THC in it, it can actually be grown under the uh, 2018 Farm Bill as uh, compliant hemp. So what that means is that even though it has the same terpene profile as, uh, as, the, as, the, as the original strain, it can be grown in much larger amounts. And also uh, it's much easier for farmers to grow it outdoors because the hemp market is regulated slightly differently out in California than the cannabis market. And what, what the great thing that means for a company like Fernway is that we're able to get the terpene profile from the strains that we want, but we're able to get a lot of it all at once. And here's the really cool part. When they harvest the terpenes from the flower, they pull, they, they, they harvest the flower. And then within 60 minutes, they extract the terpenes. So that means that you're getting terpenes that are at the peak of freshness from sun-grown whole bud. And that's really important for a couple of reasons. The first is that uh, once you cure bud, the terpenes actually transform and start to break down somewhat. So you're really getting like the fullest possible terpene profile. But the other thing is that if you have, for example, fresh frozen cannabis, which uh, is used to make live resin, then you, you do have, a, even though it's fresh and even though it's frozen, uh, you still don't get that fresh cannabis flavor nearly as much when you have it just straight up fresh pulled off the bud. So when we found, uh, when we found this partner, we were like, this is amazing. We're going to be able to provide that really clear cannabis flavor, but also just an unbeatable profile in terms of its complexity, its nuance, its richness. So uh, it's, been, it's been an awesome, uh, awesome experience being able to put the strain collection out there because I think that there are a lot of people who, are, who love the taste of cannabis or who uh, experience, for example, uh, better psychoactive effects uh, from the presence of cannabis terpenes. And so we're able to provide a, a product that does that for people that provides that, but also because again, we get like, you know, this huge field of flour gets turned into this bottle of terpenes. We're able to provide that terpene profile consistently uh, much longer than if it was just sort of like a small batch product. And I think that's, what's really great about the strain collection is that if you love, for example, the cannabis terpene profile of our redheaded stranger, that the next time you buy a redheaded stranger cart, exact same terpene profile, exact same hit. So I think uh, that for us was sort of born out of a really common experience that a cannabis consumer has, that, a, that I as a cannabis consumer, but I'm sure you have as well, which is that you find a strain you love and then you go back the next week and it's gone and you have no idea when you're going to get it again. Yeah. And we just, we'd had that heartbreaking experience too many times to ever want to put that on our customers. So that's why, uh, that's why we source our product and make our products the way we do to be able to not just provide consistent flavor, but also consistent availability. We always want people to be able to get a Fernway product if they liked it before. Um, now, the thing about the strain collection is that it is, in our, you know, it's an organic product, it's harvested every year. So it's kind of like uh, wine grape vintages. So there's a vintage of say, for example, uh, 2020 Tahoe OG, which is one of our strains, uh, terpenes. And once that vintage runs out, there's no more of it. The next year they grow Tahoe in the same field, same genetics, 
very slight variations in the terpene profile, much like there is from, you know, annual vintages. Uh, so uh, it does mean that there is uh, some availability of our strain collection that goes in and out with the seasons. But the great thing is that uh, once that harvest happens next year, once that once the next year's harvest comes back, we can bring that product back. So right now our, our Tahoe OG is temporarily out of stock while we wait for the 2021 vintage to be harvested. But as soon as that's ready, then we're going to be able to bring back that Tahoe OG. So I think, uh, again, it's it's important for us to be able to give people the strains they love. Uh, but if we can't give it to them right now, we can at least promise we're going to be able to bring it back. Yeah. Well, that one's such a smart idea. Oh my, I never heard about the, you know, growing those plants like without THC. Like that blew my mind. <laughs> well, it's a, I mean, it's a relatively new uh, marketplace because the like people, for example, weren't really aware of the value of terpenes until just a few years ago, at least most people, most you know, customers and cannabis industry people. So the, uh, the enthusiasm around cannabis terpenes and again, what they, can, uh, what they can add to the psychoactive experience, but also just the fact that when it comes to vapes, uh, if you really want delicious cannabis flavor, you cannot do it with botanicals. You have to use cannabis terpenes has meant that there's more of an opportunity for uh, for farmers who can specialize in this type of agricultural product to be able to find, uh, to be able to find an audience. And I think that that has been, uh, it's been really great for, for us because we're able to bring uh, a combination of our, our favorite, more obscure strains, but also some of the big uh, crowd-pleasing uh, award winners out there like Tahoe OG and our latest uh, strain, GG number four, uh, and be able to put that in our uh, in 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 a, in a product that people have really come to expect delicious flavor from, and so what we like to say about our strain collection is it's pretty simple. The best flower is now in a vape. If you've ever think about the best flower you've ever smelled, that you've ever vaped, that you've ever smoked, now imagine in a vape. That's the strain collection, and uh, I think you know product quality and and flavor is really something that's super important to us because. We are consumers, all four of the Fernway founders and most of our uh, staff are passionate consumers. It's something we're really proud of. And I think having a point of view on quality and what's good and uh, being able to work that into your product is, is really what's one of the things that sets us apart because it's really important to us that if a customer is purchasing Fernway, they feel like they're getting their, their money's worth. They feel like they're getting something that uh, is going to be dependable, that's going to be delicious, that's going to work well, that's gonna look good and something that they would not feel any compunction about recommending to their friends or their family or their loved ones. Because I think that's one of the ways that cannabis brands really create connections with people is that they give them a reason to go to their friends and say, hey, you should try this. I have some knowledge I wanna share with you. And as like the person who has now sort of become the de facto like weed expert uh, amongst a lot of my groups of friends, like I love the opportunity to tell people, try this brand or try this store or try this strain because it just means that I'm able to help them just like I was helped when I didn't know anything about weed. Yeah, very nice. So do you see Fernway staying a vape brand or are you guys interested in expanding and making other products? Uh, well, I think we're probably gonna stick with vapes. Um, it's, it's done... We really love the product form. And I think that what we have found is that there's a lot of people out there who are curious about vapes, uh, but have not yet found a product that really fits their lifestyle. Um, whether it's because it didn't taste that good or it was hard to tell, you know, the, the different vapes apart because they didn't have this little identifier on them. We call that the Fernway seal. It's got our, uh, our, our brand name as well as the name of the strain on the, on every single cartridge. So it's really hard to mix them up. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and uh, and also something that really spoke to the recreational consumer, um, which is another thing that I think is is important to mention about our brand because we, when we were developing our brand, uh, we looked out into the marketplace and we said, you know, there's a lot of products out there and a lot of companies that are sort of medicinal and wellness focused and. I am, you know, I, I have no skepticism about the medical benefit of cannabis. I'm actually a medical cannabis patient myself, um, and I consume cannabis medicinally, but I, I mostly consume it recreationally, and me and my co-founders mostly consume it recreationally, and we think that that is valid, and it's worth, uh, and, and, and it's, it, it's just as valid as consuming it medicinally in terms of, you know, why it is that you're doing it, and why it is that you should feel totally fine about it. And so we built our brand around the recreational customer and really speaking to recreational consumption and use because we think that uh, it's important to say that it's totally fine to enjoy cannabis because it makes the experiences that you already love even better. It makes food better. It makes music better. It makes hanging out better. It makes uh, adventures better. It makes watching, you know, watching the sunset better. And like all of those things should be celebrated and they should be elevated. And I think that's uh, that's something that we really kept in mind when we designed our product. And I think that what we've seen as as vape specialists, and I and I will say, we are the only vape specialists in all of Massachusetts. We're the only company like us that only does vapes. Wow. Um, we what we found is that there are a lot of people who are curious about vapes and want to know more and want someone with specialized knowledge and a brand that really specializes and can sort of uh, lead them through the process of getting educated about vapes and what to look for and how to use them uh, and why it is that they are so exciting. And I think that that's something that we, we, really, we really treasure, that we can be that source of, of knowledge and we can be that trusted friend for people. And so I think that uh, you know, it's, vapes have been uh, very good to us and we love them. So I think we'll probably stick with them. Um, again, just because uh, at our heart, we really consider ourselves a cannabis vape brand and we think that's how most people think of us too. Um, I do say, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people often think that uh, because I am a cannabis vape brand owner, hold on, I'm going to turn my lights, I'm going to turn my light on here so you can see me a little bit better. Um, a lot of people like to think because I'm a, a cannabis vape brand owner that I only consume vapes, but nothing could be further from the truth. I think that at Fernway, we, you know, we celebrate all forms of cannabis consumption. We happen to be a vape brand. So we think that uh, it's vapes are awesome and our vapes are particularly awesome, but we're really part of a, a broader cannabis community. You know, if you, for example, I, when I'm out at a pop-up event and someone comes up to me and I say, uh, have you ever vaped cannabis before? And they say, yeah, I've tried it, but I'm not that into it. Like, that's totally fine. You know, vapes are not for everybody. And for some people, they don't always want to consume vapes when it comes to how they consume their cannabis. But I think what our role is, is to be able to tell people who are just genuine, generally curious uh, to be able to answer their questions. And for folks who have reservations to be able to hear them out, to be able to understand their experience and be able to show them that we've really built a product that is for the recreational consumer. It's simple, it's straightforward, it's super tasty, it looks good, and it'll make you feel good. And I think that not trying to overpromise, not trying to do too much uh, has really been part of our ethos. And uh, I think that's one of, again, the other reason why, uh, why it really uh, is, is a lot of fun to focus on vapes because there's just, there's so much to do and there's so much education to be done. And there's so many people out there who get in touch with us on, on Instagram or on email and say, I don't usually vape, but you guys are something else. You guys are something oh. different. And I think 
And it, look, that's that's obviously super encouraging to hear, but I yeah. I hear it, I hear it enough times that I feel like it, it really benefits to have. Uh, I think people have found a lot of benefit with uh, the Fernway brand being able to be that that knowledgeable friend. And I think that um, you know, as as vapes continue to grow in popularity, I think we'll we'll be in a really good position to continue being that friend for people. That's awesome. Th your products are just amazing. I'm gonna I'm gonna try that cranberry jam next. Oh, <laughs> uh, you got it. You got it. It's so good. Later. I'll tell you. Just you know, just so you know, you're gonna take your first hit, and then you're gonna immediately want to take a second hit because it tastes so good. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share all your knowledge for my audience. Oh, of course. I really, really appreciate it. No doubt. Well, thank you for having me. And um, I'll just do a quick plug here, which is that um, if you are interested in purchasing Fernway products, we are available in licensed dispensaries all over Massachusetts. Um, if you go on our website, which is www.fernway.com, uh, you can check out our store locator, which will show you where we're carried. Um, you can also go on our Instagram and see where we're carried there. We announce all the new stores we're in there. Um, it's definitely worth following us on Instagram. We put out a lot of content that we, uh, we only put out we we only put out good we only put out good content. That's our our philosophy here at Fernway. We really are here to make your day a little bit better and give you something to uh, engage with, something that is enjoyable. And uh, if uh, say for example you uh, you DM us something really nice about our products, then it's possible that uh, we will put that on a uh, put that in a frame and we'll put it up on my wall because uh, we get um, a lot of love from people and I love to uh, I love to print it out. I love to put it on my wall um, and put it on the wall of the office. But more than that, I think, you know, we are we are really uh, about forming a community here. So if you love Fernway, you're a friend of ours and we are always excited to make new friends. Um, if you have any questions about our products, again, our website and our Instagram are the best place to go. And um, if you have any questions at all, you can uh, reach out to us uh, again via Instagram DM or at info at fernway.com. And we answer every question that we get. So don't hesitate to reach out if you're curious about vapes, about Fernway, about our strains, our flavors, anything at all. Don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from people. Hit us up anytime. Sweet. <laughs> thank you very much. Well, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. You as well. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll look forward to hearing this episode when it airs. Yes, I will put it out as soon as I can. <laughs> Excellent. Let, shoot me an email when you can so I can uh, share it amongst my friends. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has can of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects Network. Network.